This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and with me, our special guest this week, Joe Walsh. Yeah, it's been great. Really good. Uh, This is actually the part of the podcast where I ask our guest, which is yourself, about yourself. Where you been? Where you at? Where you heading? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been working on Pool Guys now for about three years, I think, in total, um, since we came up with the idea of it a while ago. So it's been a long time. Um, But it's been super exciting to watch the game grow and develop since we launched it um, a couple of months ago now. And I'm really excited to see where we can take it over the next, you know, like year or two. Be really exciting. Yeah, I think besides uh, you guys, 2020 has been quite a year for everyone else. Uh, I can't imagine uh, what you guys went through with this. I hate to say it was like a sleeper hit, but really it has to be somewhat of a surprise to be how how much of it kind of took over the internet in in this year. Uh, Would you kind of like give a little insight about how and when it happened to you guys, where you guys realize this is one of the biggest things that that will be happening for 2020? Yeah, I mean, I think really we, so we had like plans in place and we had predictions for what would happen when the game launched in terms of, you know, how much resource we would have. And we had, you know, we we really weren't sure if anybody was going to play the game. And we had like contingency plans for what happens if, you know, the game goes live and there are a hundred people playing because people just weren't interested, you know, and we, we had a plan in place for, oh, we're probably gonna have to scale down the team and just put it on life support. And then we had a, a mid success plan. And then we had a massive success plan, which was like the absolute best case scenario where we could like try and double the team size soon and, and do all these things. And I think that plan, I think we sold like eight times as many copies as that massive success plan did on day one and that initial plan was for like six months or something ridiculous so like orders of magnitude like 10 100 times more successful than we ever really dreamed of which was i mean amazing because it's meant we've had so much publicity and we've managed to like ultimately bring so much joy to everybody who's been playing the game but obviously that had the the consequence of it seems like a long time ago but all the server issues we had everything's just melting because we couldn't we didn't expect this many people to be playing so it's been a roller coaster for sure but um things have somewhat settled down yeah uh coming from the game development side myself uh i would love to kind of go into the early days of, of prototyping can i'm sure the grown you know the team has grown in size since the release to accommodate like the crazy demand that you guys have been delivering uh can you kind of talk about the the early stages of of uh, the prototype stage and uh <laughs> and your original plan of growing the team to versus now what you guys have going 
Yeah, certainly. So, I mean, really, when we started prototyping Fall Guys, there was two of us working on it, uh, just me and our tech director called Steve. And we essentially, it was our job to figure out whether or not Fall Guys could be fun and what it meant to play Fall Guys. And like, there were things that we knew, like we knew that it was going to be mini games. We knew that it was going to be like silly physics and it was going to be funny and the game was going to operate on humor and accessibility and like an instant hit of gameplay. But we had no idea what the character would feel like to control, like how wobbly were they going to be? What did they do? You know, all of these things were just, I don't know, probably like whatever happens in a game show. We'll figure it out as we go. And But also we had no idea what the rounds were going to be either. We had literally nothing to go off. And it was really a, a process for three months of trying to answer some of the biggest burning questions that we had um, before we could start making the game. So the idea with pre prototyping and pre-production was that we should go into making this game already having a good understanding. And for us, that meant firstly answering that question of like, what does a full guy do that makes them feel like they're on a game show? That was like written on the wall in the studio. Like, what is it that they do? And that's where we like started to think about stumbling and falling over and losing your balance and diving and, you know, hitting your head and tripping over stuff. It was like, we went through this process of recording gifts of all of our favorite moments from Takeshi's Castle and all of these other game shows and, and basically trying to nail exactly what it was about game shows that makes them like so entertaining and then translating that into mechanics. Um, but things like the dive mechanic was just, I think we had, we had, we had put some ragdoll stuff in that could make you get hit by um, objects and we needed a debug command that could fling your character forwards. And suddenly it was like, oh, that actually is kind of like a dive mechanic. Like that could be interesting. Maybe we should just leave that in the game. Maybe we should stack it on the end of a jump as well. And so over time, the character like evolved and and has become what, what you see in the game. Um, you know, and then fast forwarding now through development where the team grew to about, about 60 people, I think which probably it's peak during development. Now I think we're pushing way over a hundred people who are working on the game in some form, but that that's not everybody like making stuff, which is quite important to to clarify. Because a lot of people just see the big number and think like, oh, surely, well, you should be making like ten times as much content. But now we have to think about problems we never thought we'd have, like you know, customer support and cheating, like combating that, and community management is now way bigger. Like so, the team is growing in every single direction, which is is really exciting, but definitely logistically has, has proven to be tough. There have definitely been some teething pains. Yeah, man, there's a there's a lot of uh layers there I want to unravel with you being <laughs> being an original team of two, right? Uh you you had, you know, it was all about the game and 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 and, and incorporating any design elements. Uh the first thing too, I, I would love to kind of hear your thoughts about it. You know, part part of the the the, the recent development uh, for marketability of a game is the streaming aspect of it and being a designer yourself. Uh, it is a very integral part, at least for PvP type of games. Like how much of that did you have to consider for game design? And, you know, you were mentioning about physics being like a major component of these this randomability and rewatchability and replayability element. Uh, was a lot of that intentional or were you just seeking to play something that you want to pl- uh, make something that you want to play and how much of that streaming aspect was considered during your, your development? Yeah. So I think for us, 
Fall Guys is quite interesting because it is an inherently streamable idea because it's based on game shows. And so for us, we weren't really thinking, what do we, does the game need to do to be streamable? It, we were thinking like, what does the game need to be to be a game show? And one of the things that we felt was important was that I needed to create one in a moment, one in a million moments that you wanted to share with people and that you wanted to like play back in excruciating slow motion. And that was one of the pillars of the game was a million slapstick moments. And that's what we, every time we looked at a level, we would score each level on how successful we thought it would be at a couple of things. And one of them was, can this level give us a million slapstick moments? Like, are there, is there comedic depth to the game? Will people be laughing at this game, this round in, in a million different ways? And so like, it, it didn't come from quite a like business oriented mindset of like, all right, how are we going to get people to stream this game? And it's just, how do we make it feel like a game that people would want to watch because it's a game show. And that's what we want to make you feel like the star. And we want to watch, we want people to share replays because that's how these, how these game shows work. So like, it's kind of a happy accident that like Twitch and streaming has blown up as much as it did while Fall Guys is also, you know, a very streamer friendly game. So that was very deliberate. Um, but another thing that I think is maybe slightly more conscious is that when I watch, when I used to watch like PUBG or if I'd show a friend PUBG, you have to sit them down and you have to be like, okay, here's the premise. There's like this giant circle that you can't see. And we all fell out of this helicopter and the circles are like, and there are all these rules that you have to explain. And this is why all the guns are here and stuff. And it's just like complex and it's hard to explain, but four guys, it's like, there's a finish line, run, go. Oh, they're falling over. Like it's just instantly understandable and instantly uh, watchable. And that was, that was really important because we wanted anybody to be able to like drop in and, and understand what round they were playing. Um, we have like a rule that every round has to be explained in three words. And that's exactly why. And so if your mate comes around and it's like, oh, what, are you, what are you doing? And what do you have to do in this round? It's like, oh, we've got to grab a tail or like reach the finish or don't fall in the slime. That's five words, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, it, that was kind of what we were going for. It was, was something that was just instantly understandable. Yeah, I think that simplicity of it is what really helps all age groups kind of participate. Uh, I mean, I have a 10-year-old myself and you know what 10-year-olds, everything's about Fortnite. And then I, I'm slowly seeing during this pandemic, what's interesting is how he's evolving into a real gamer right it started with roblox started playing fortnite and now he's playing valorant and playing fall guys wow. i was like whoa yeah within within a year so it's very exciting because there's a whole net new generation of gamers and like you said the the barrier of entry uh there is like an element of streamable that game designers i feel going forward need to start really be conscious of because it really does help uh with 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 the marketability some games can't avoid it you know uh where they're not made for streaming but when you can i I feel like a lot of that uh being able to you know the old days of channel surfing right can it catch your attention within a second without a friend really explaining you you know all the rules it's one of the reasons why i when i saw fog guys i instantly got it it's the reason why I watch Ninja Warrior. It's it's like it's exciting. Yeah. It's a game show and you're just going through obstacles and you're with them the whole time. And at the same time, you know, you're kind of looking for that ridiculous moment for your friends like fouling up. Right. So uh, I, I highly applaud. Of course, you guys are finding tremendous success with that. And uh, uh, there it definitely seems like you were very conscious at the very beginning of how to set this up so that anybody can participate and want to play, which is the biggest part. Uh, 
going back, man, starting with the two team. I mean, I'm sure your five year plan was scrapped within a day of release. <laughs> Right. Of growing the team. And one of the biggest thing with indie development is not overgrowing the team to an extent of non-control. Right. And now you're, you're like 60 going to 100. And this is happening within a year or two. So I would love to kind of hear your, your thinking process with your, your original partner there of how to sustain that and like the business side of it. Now you're like not just being a full time designer, but like managing people. I imagine yeah. for a lot of your time and now doing it remotely. It, what a year for you to kind of learn this on the fly. I would love to kind of yeah. walk through that disaster and how you are able to like figure that out and, and, and find great success through it. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's worth, it's really worth caveating that four guys is not, it's not like among us where it's literally like three friends. Like I was put on to four guys as a team of two, but Mediatonic as a company is much bigger, but obviously it starts like any other project where you put a very small amount of people on it and you trust them to figure it out. And then the plan was always to grow the team to like 40 people or something like that over the course of development. And we have other games in the studio. Like we're, we're indie, but we're like a, a big indie studio that makes lots right. of stuff. So it's probably worth like, sometimes we get lumped in with like the indie darlings. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's very nice for us, but it's, it's not yeah. quite the same as like, you know, the witness or anything like that, where mm-hmm. it's like one guy, making it in his basement. So I'll first we'll caveat that. Um, but secondly, like, you know, it's been really hard for a team this big to work remotely. And we were launched, we launched the game from lockdown and it was literally like one day we were all sat around in the studio and then the next day we all went home and that was March and we haven't been able to get together as a studio and, um, to really celebrate the releases. It's, it's been just heads down. The game comes out, got to keep working on it. Got to make more content. So we haven't really had much of a time to take a proper breather. So hopefully over Christmas, we get a bit of a break. Um, but really like some, some things haven't been that bad, but really there are just moments in development where you wish you could just be in a room with a whiteboard and you could just figure something out. Like we were looking at like a new feature we're working on today and we're trying to figure out where the buttons on the screen need to go. And it's like back and forth on Slack. It's like tedious and you're sharing ideas and you just want to be there in a room with a piece of paper and just, draw it on a thing, move things around, cut things out. Like that's the bit that you really miss is that like camaraderie of being in the same room and being in it together. Uh, You do feel quite isolated for sure, which, which makes things hard, but it's a lot easier when your game is very successful, you know, sort of brings everybody together, which is great. I mean, uh, to be fair, everyone's making a game in their basement right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it does help to kind of have, I, I think a lot of indie build developers are now, are, are moving more to like mid-tier, which is they have some backing and publishing. It used to be, I mean, there are some darlings out there that are still like, you know, one one man team, one man army is doing, doing it. But I'm, I'm seeing a shift now that there's a lot of publisher interests, at least, and, 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 and companies that are, you know, uh, at least compartmentalizing with you guys like you guys did in, in a room and like figure something out <laughs> and then we'll give you backing, which is very, uh, I think, the best of both worlds because it is it is of every successful game. <clears throat> there's thousands more that kind of go through the turmoil of indie development and don't make it. Uh, but yeah, it's really humbling to hear that, uh, you guys are, are, are spreading the, the, the love and joy of, of the creation behind, uh, Fall Guys. So as you were saying, um, can you kind of speak to the responsibilities that 
have changed from when you before the release and now like how how much of your time is split even with doing press to actually coming up with features and the next updates and stuff uh to to just simply managing yeah yeah i mean for me like for a lot of the, the games development my job was literally changing the numbers on the character like figuring out what the jump height was figuring out how the turning circle should be and how the ragdoll should should operate and that was that was just months and months went by of just fiddling numbers having a chat with someone changing some stuff re scrapping it all starting again like i think we scrapped the entire character about three times um and over time yeah like my role has become much more you know it's much more to be like in charge of the vision of the project and to help make sure that everybody is pointing in the right direction as the team grows because i i'm not the best level designer in the world like my levels are a bit rubbish and but we've hired some amazingly talented level designers who you really just have to like let them run free and make sure that they're you know they've got their restraints in place and you know we've hired an amazing team and so yeah, like much more so now my my role is looking looking forwards and trying to figure out what features the game is missing, but also responding to the community and, and making sure that they feel heard and that they, like ultimately one of the big things we've been trying to do is make sure that the community feel like that they have faith in us to deliver on Fall Guys because they, they you know, they know how this game needs to be and they know what they want. And really we're just trying to give them that game and it's hard. It's really hard. Um, but that's, but that's been our focus and that's occupying a lot more of my time now is, you know, even we released season three a couple of days ago and suddenly discord is alight with the character feels different. You changed it. And we're like, we didn't change anything, but something's different and they're right. Cause they play the game way more than we do. So that's kind of like how things uh, we're much more reactive now than we were um, during development. And it's very much just trying to, balance the like immediate short-term reactions of like oh god we need to fix this thing now and also the long-term what does this game needs to be you know replayable and, and and to sustain a healthy community for multiple years which is really what we'd love to do yeah uh being an artist myself one one of the uh running joke right is having a hovering art director behind you telling you what to do and micromanaging right now that <laughs> you guys started in a, a room with two two developers and now you have a whole community that is in support of your your game and, and, and is in love with it and basically criticizing every little update that you have you guys have like thousands or millions of people that are constantly uh at you uh, about games like so how how do you leverage that and like you said balance that so that you don't sacrifice your own vision of what you feel is correct uh versus how your community feels where you should go because yeah. that that always messes with innovation right like do i please everyone or should i think ahead type of thing yeah yeah totally like you you're never going to please everybody um and there's always going to be a, a consequence but i think really the way we do it is we make sure we consider like three three things when we're looking at the direction of the game the first one is like what do we want as developers like it's our game what do we think is is great like what excites us because if we need to be excited about the vision of it and we need to be passionate about what we're making and we need to believe in that 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 vision so first is what do we want secondly it's like what do the community say they want like that's really important because the people who speak who discuss the game on reddit and who discuss the game on discord and twitter are like they're going to be like evangelists for the game and they're going to be the passionate people who are going to go are going to get stuck in and tell their friends like dude four guys is so much better than it was like we should stop playing four, four guys again or you know 
they're going to share the love of your game. And so it's really important that you listen to those people because, and also because they play the game the most. So they do have really, really great in-depth understandings of the game. But the third thing is you've got to think about, you've got to look at the data that you're getting back from the game. And you've got to be careful that you balance the very vocal, passionate um, community that you have with the unspoken community who aren't on, on Twitter. And, you know, we've, that's something we've seen quite a lot is that, for example, if you, if you talk to Discord or Twitter, they just want harder levels. They just think everything's too easy and it's a breeze. So we added like big fans as like an early game level where there are no set hidden paths down the bottom. You have to do this like very technical jumping puzzle and people are like, great, love it. Amazing level. But when you look at the data, there are like swathes of people who just can't complete that level because the technical ability is much higher than all the other levels. And it's a proper hard skill check. And we suddenly realized like there are loads of kids out there or like less able people who aren't as technically talented. And this level is now like a blocker for those people to enjoy the game. And, you know, that's just a classic example of like having to weigh up those two different things. And that really informs the level design as we go. So those are kind of the three things. It's our vision, what the passionate community say, and the like hidden, hidden majority that we can look at the data to try and read. Hey guys, let's take a break and have a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by app figures. App Figure is all about giving game makers the tools they need to get more downloads and revenue. You may already know them for analytics and app store optimization. Now, App Figures can help you track competitors from how many downloads they're getting and how much money they're making to their audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives you great context, say a competitor as a new feature or was mentioned in the news. With App Figures, you can see if that brought in more downloads. Got a great idea for an app or a game? With App Figures, you can figure out how big the market is and how much money you could be making with it. And that's just scratching the surface. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, App Figures has the tools you need to reduce risk and get more downloads. You don't need a large budget or a data science degree to do this kind of stuff anymore. App Figures has made it affordable and simple. On top of tools, App Figures also provides a lot of guides and tutorials to take you step-by-step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. They just released a free guide on that, actually. So head over to appfigures.com, A-P-P-F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com forward slash on, O-N, forward slash Game Dev Unchained to try App Figures for free. If you like it, then use our special code GDU3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. You're welcome. Yeah. So uh, another point that you kind of brought up was, um, you know, everyone always dream of having uh, being part of a game that just hits hard. Right. Especially if it's like a original IP. It's one of those things that just there's a lot of luck involved, skill, all these variants that variables that you don't really have control. It just happens, right? And uh, but most people kind of stop it at there. It's like once I get to that stage, I'm good, right? As a developer. But as you were saying, now it's about the long term support of this wave of uh, you know maintaining momentum. It's a whole different side. I think the harder side of game development, more than fifty percent, for a game developer to kind of go through. Can you kind of talk about through that process? Going through the hardest year already, but one of the most exciting year for you guys. At the same time, like making sure that, you know, the gravy train doesn't stop. It's it's one of those like hard things. I want to breathe, but yo, this is once in a lifetime type of thing. How how long 
can I sustain this and everything? I would love to kind of hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, it's it's a really tough balance to strike. The, the, the difference between having a healthy development cycle and making sure that you're not overworking your team and that they're not exhausted. But also, like you said, it, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity and you hope that you can draw energy from it um, and that you can that you can push forward. But you just have to be really careful. And it, it hurts because, you know, when we launched the game, we always wanted to launch with like 40 levels, like 50 rounds, something like that. And we launched with 25. And that was a bet we had to make because like, we think it's better to get the game out there than to delay it for six months and make more content because now is the time. Everything is aligned. You know, we've got to strike while the iron's hot. And so we kind of released it and we were worried that people would burn out on those levels early. And then you start to see it happening. And it's the temptation there is to just throw everything at it to get content out, hack things together, you know, just rush things out the door. And we made the decision to not do that and to stick to our plan for season two, which was four rounds that we would release after two months and you just have to brace yourself and 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 just ride the storm out and know that those people who are frustrated will come back later if you can meet their demands and so we like put some surveys out to to the community to say like hey we know that this isn't what you want but tell us what you do want like what is an acceptable amount of rounds to release per season and they said like eight rounds is what we want per season or six rounds is what we want per season roughly and that gave us a target to try and work towards. But it was really important that we hit that target in a sustainable way. Because like you said, like it's not Fall Guys doesn't have three seasons and then we're done. Like we're working on season four. We're working on season five now as well. And we can't cram to get season three out the door with seven levels and then be exhausted and then it'd be expected to do that again and again and again. We have to build up to a higher level total in a sustainable way. Otherwise we're going to be exhausted. And it's like, it's a tricky thing you see on the, in the online gaming community, right? Is there is this massively passionate community who are anti-crunch and are pro developers, rights, And that's amazing to have that support. But at the same time, the other louder voice is we need more content now. Like what are you doing? Why are things taking so long? And it's like, oh man, like you can't have both. You can have things like, there's a great like uh, triangle. I think it's called like the, the iron triangle. It's like, you can have things like, it's like quick, good, and uh, cheap. And you basically can only really pick like two of the three things to do. And, you know, we, you have to, you have to balance the the development cycle. So it's, um, it's stressful. It's, it's been really hard mentally for a lot of the team the past couple of months, you know, logging onto Reddit to see posts at the top about how bad the game has been over the past week is rough. Like it drains you mentally. And I think people aren't necessarily always aware of the effect that it can have on people. But at the same time, like you said, it's energizing to have a hit IP. You know, it is what we always dreamed of having as a studio. And I come to work every day still excited. Well, I can't come to work. My bed's just there. So I sit here. But, you know, you're just energized every day to come and make the game better. And what's great about having a game is out there is that response time is much much quicker we were just making stuff in isolation a year ago with no idea whether what we were doing was really any good it's just guessing but now today we put an update live and you can check the discord and instantly people are like yes this is better more of this do this thing and it's so that bit's really good but you can't have it both ways you've got to take the breath for this movie really yeah uh just to give a little background you know the podcast called game dev unchained and it was like (laughs) like you said right there is that weird balance out there in the community 
that uh, I feel like it's misunderstood um, where, yeah, let's have this happy anti-crutch pro game dev life for everybody. In my case, I recently just played Red Dead and I looked at that game it's like, there's no way <laughs> that they could have done this in a reasonable time frame. It took them eight years. It would have taken them 12, 14 years, two game cycles to finish this. It's epic, right? And it's a balance that I don't think a lot of people empathize enough to understand. And I always equate it to, I, you know, I've had bosses before who were very pushy about like crunch and all this stuff, but because we have a hit on our hand, right? It was like, man, how, how much of a dollar amount am I different from him? <laughs> when I get in that state, do I push, would I push my team? Because we have a hit on our hands and we got to keep pushing, right? And I don't think there is, when it comes to creative uh, output, there is any way around that uh, to accommodate everybody and still have you know, be able to hit deadlines. Um, and it's, I think it's just one of those things that game developers have to accept in a reasonable matter. Um, so I'm always curious about hearing, you know, your side and, you know, what, you know, going through that, having riding this wave and, you know, making sure that everyone is doing it in a healthy manner, because uh, I do think sustainability is way bigger than just short-term spurts. And uh, I've been on teams that just solely, you know, uh, <laughs> liquidated its core members, right? And it's like the, the feeling's not the same anymore. I wish I would have those friends around still. And uh, I don't know, man. I don't know any any other games that, you know, there's another game that's out right now that's kind of going the same turmoil where <laughs> the founders are like regretting. It's like, yeah, we did this wrong. It's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, got all these bugs with your games, right? Um, I think people know what I'm talking about. But uh, <laughs> I would love to kind of ask you more about, um, uh, you know, Fall Guys and, 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 and the development side of it. You know, it's great to have the community now to kind of give you feedback as you're going to kind of help guide you with your schedule in a reasonable way uh, without overdoing it and guessing. Uh, I would love to kind of hear also... Uh, a little bit more of the background. So you were telling telling me hitting the iron while it's hot, right? And hindsight is kind of twenty twenty, which is that saying has a new meaning now. Uh, <laughs> so it, it feels like you had some semblance of the feeling of how everyone's at home and this game is like perfect for this timing. Like how much of that was intuition? How much was that was research? Like how how did you come up with some data knowing that? the game would do really well right now and we need to push this out regardless of our grand goal yeah i mean it wasn't really data-led like we didn't have millions of pre-orders and there wasn't really any way of measuring the hype for the game until we started making a twitter and we started getting people interested what we really had to go on was that we'd taken the game to some trade shows and we'd showed it to uh we went to pax um, East, we went to PAX Australia, uh, and the reaction to the game was so insanely positive. And so we just we felt like it might have that same reaction when we released it. But I wouldn't. There wasn't really like a push to get it out because the coronavirus stuff was just that's what's just been happening in the background. It was it was more like we just need to release the game. We can't we can't just keep working on it. At some point, you have to like you have to stop. Like, I think there's a great analogy, which is like making a game is like, it's like trying to take a 
it's like trying to build a plane while you're going down the runway. And at some point you have to stop building it and pull back on the throttle. And whatever you have made at this point will, t- will either take off or it won't. But if you don't pull back, you're, they're going to run out of runway and it's going to all crash for sure. And so we're kind of just like throwing things out the back. And there were like huge features that we wanted to do that were like, nope, that's not going to, we're never going to finish that. You know, like we had like action replay mode that you see in like, um, you know, like the kill cam in Call of Duty, like, we had a whole feature about that where you could rewind everything and you could pick highlights and it was, yeah, just so complicated and didn't work. And it's like, well, throwing that out the back of the plane, you know, um, some features that we've added, like the show selector, having multiple shows running at every given time. So it's like, nope, out the plane, get rid of it. We just, we need to focus a little bit more on a core experience. And I wish we'd done that a little bit more, if I'm honest, over the course of development. I think we should have focused more on what do we need the game to launch with and what can we add later rather than these like huge ambitious features. But it's just so hard. Like you said, hindsight's 2020. It's so hard to know, but it wasn't really a, like, it wasn't like a reaction, like a rush of like, oh God, coronavirus is hit. This game is perfect. Let's get out the door. It was still very, it was always very much like this game is coming out in 20, uh, 2020. Like, and it needs to come out in 2020. So let's release it. Um, and there were some other things that we were working with Sony to get the PS plus deal. And those things get locked in like a long time in advance. And so you really don't want to miss the boat on that. Cause you never know when you might get the opportunity again. And that was absolutely huge. So it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things, but really you just, at some point you've got to say, this is the game. It's going to sink or float, like go, let's see what happens. Yeah. And to kind of write off of that, what you just uh, talked about, um, we'd love to kind of hear your thoughts. I don't know if you, you know, you guys been going full throttle the whole time, but if you had a, uh, we're able to hit pause at some moment to kind of analyze like, all right, what went on last year? If I were to make or, you know, future updates to the game or another game idea, how do I catch some of this lightning in the bottle to recreate the phenomenon that it created? Like, like how much of that, were you able to look at to be like some of this can carry forward to a next project, you know, with some variables, but some, some, some of this success can be repeatable. I don't know if you had time to think about that, you and your team, <laughs> but we'd love to kind of hear your thoughts about it. I think, I think four guys has hopefully managed to like breed a new, uh, hopefully like a new generation of multiplayer games that are more accessible and that aren't shooters. Um, I don't think we're the first game to do that. I think like you've seen the resurgence of like Rocket League going free to play and it's just done like, absolutely ballistic numbers. And I think Fall Guys and Rocket League share a lot of the same DNA. I mean, that was something we talked about a lot during development. It was like, if we could just be the next Rocket League, that would be enough. Like we would be so happy. Uh, and so I think it was really about like figuring out what the shared DNA is of those games and trying to package that up in like a new genre really of, of multiplayer game and, you know, we're not really looking at the next project right now. Like everyone is super focused on updating full guys. But I think when we do that same DNA of like, you know, accessible, funny, wholesome multiplayer games is something that maybe we could, we could come back to again. Cause it feels like there's lots more to do in that space. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would love to also, uh, talk about, <laughs> You know the roadmap that you guys got going, and so season three just came out, and I'm assuming season four, five, six. Uh, like, are you revisiting a lot of the features that <clears throat> weren't able to be packaged before? Are you uh, learning uh, from 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 the previous season, or seeing suggestions from communities where you didn't even think about? Like, how much of that 
went into, you know, future updates in season three and, you know, what, whatever it comes to after. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to begin with, we've been really focusing on things that we knew that we wanted to always do. Uh, and so that's why like, we just released custom games. And that was always the thing that we thought would be great because it opens the door for now to streamers to get them to be streaming and playing with their community. And we thought that was one of the really exciting things about Fall Guys is that like Ninja and 59 of his his fans all get to play Fall Guys together in a way that you can't really do with any other Battle Royale because stream sniping just ruins everything. Like before guys doesn't really have that problem because you all know where everybody is anyway. So like, screw it. Let's just see how it goes. So there are features like that, which we were always, was always in the roadmap to do post-launch and the same with, like I mentioned, like the show selector. And that's something that I think we're pushing more and we're coming up with like more interesting ideas now is like variety is what makes four guys great. Like the fact that you load up the game and you've got no idea what you're going to be doing this time, like because there are new rounds or there are new variations or there is a new combination of stuff. And I think that's what we're going to be looking at a little bit over the next few months is what else can we do in the world of Fall Guys that adds variety to the game so that you log on and there is like something new to do. And that might be like a new game type where you can play with your friends in a new way, or it might be like totally different, like a creative mode or something like that, you know, like those are things that we're starting to look at now where that's really, it's really exciting, but it's also quite scary because there aren't really many games out there like Fall Guys. And so we're sort of having to make it up as we go along. So those are kind of like the camps we're looking at, but like we're definitely looking at what the community are asking for too. Um, you know, we're like released crown ranks and that was like a thing that they asked for was that they wanted a much more permanent um, indication of how well they were doing over the game that lasted from season to season and gave people like real bragging rights. If you've earned a thousand crowns, how do you, how do I show off to everybody else that I've earned a thousand crowns in the game? And this is something that we've been like, we've, we've heard the community and we've been working on is to give them that. Um, so it's, it's like a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, but we've got some really cool stuff that the community are requesting that's, that's coming soon as well. Awesome. I like to throw a curveball because I just do that. Uh, so going back to the very beginning of development, right? Um, a multiplayer game for a small team always seems to be like a very challenging aspect. Mm. When developing a game, it just seems like when when network has to be involved, it's just not something that routinely, unless you've done it before, you go to first. You usually just have a single player experience, something easier. Yeah. A second part of that question is... Uh, was that always intentional to have a multiplayer? Were you guys able to roll up your sleeve? How much experience you guys have with that? And uh, why Unity, right? Was it, uh, did you guys look at all the options like Unreal as well before going with that? Uh, and did the network thing had, had a, a play in that as well? Yeah, so we've we've done a real-time multiplayer game uh, relatively recently that was called um, Gears Pop, which was like a Gears of War Funko Pop mobile game. And all that's although that's not you know, instant multiplayer, like real-time play in the same way that Fall Guys is. It allowed us to have some understanding of how to make these games. And we worked on a card game before, which was asynchronous, but we had our, like, we'd wet our feet in, in multiplayer online stuff on that that has to operate at a large scale. Um, but we, we knew we wanted to use Unity because we've always used Unity for our projects for about the past five or six years in the studio. And if you're doing something complex, you don't also want to be learning tools at the same time, unless you can help it. It really helps to just use what you know. And that was really important to us that we would go forward to that. So it was never really considered unreal or anything else because we have a great relationship with unity. They were like able, they were like able to help us solve the problems because they were like 
no one's ever made a 60 player <laughs> physics game in Unity before. Let's see if you can do it. And we'd like to help you, you know, figure that out. So that was really good. But we also like drafted in like veteran talent and uh, that, that we knew we needed on the project. Like uh, Immediatonic, we have like this very like fundamental sense of like, oh, we've never done this before, but let's give it a go. And that's always how the company has operated. You know, when we were given the Gears of War, like IP from Microsoft, we've never really done anything on that scale before. And it was like, okay, cool. We can, we can do that. Yeah, sure. We'll figure it out. And that's been like the ethos, which has always been uh, very exciting and very like thrilling because it means you get the chance to do stuff. Like I've never led a team like this before. Like four guys is so far out of my comfort zone as it is for the rest of the team. But the net code was like the one thing where we were like, we need pro help here. People who have done this before and people who are going to know the pitfalls. And we we worked with a worked with another team to like get the fundamentals in place and like have made sure that we're learning. So now like loads, we've got much more experienced people in the studio who understand those things. Um, but yeah, we definitely didn't scrimp on on networking talent to begin with because we knew how hard this was going to be. Well, it's a definitely a good choice. Uh, <laughs> would love to kind of hear you walk through that that scenario where you guys suddenly have millions of people playing. Like, can you kind of like what was that back and forth looking like? Was it just increasing servers or <laughs> like it's a lot more technical than the rest of us can understand and more yeah. complicated? But we'd love to kind of hear that 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 problem and how you guys were able to yeah, fix totally. it and turn around because it, it didn't feel like there was an issue at least on the player side where it was like disastrous in weeks on end where people were waiting and having connection problems at least from a consumer side of yeah. things yeah totally like so i guess there are there are a couple of big issues that we had to solve the first one is like the servers yeah so a lot of people think that servers are just a thing that you can add more to and that fixes the problem like you just, why did you not just like double your server count? Or the other one we get is why did you not predict this? And we did, we ran simulations where we had eight times our highest estimate of what we thought we would get on day one, like eight times. Like that's a lot. And that costs us a lot of money to run those simulations. And that was very much like, there's no way, like we've done our due diligence. It's not going to be higher than this. And then like, <laughs> lo and behold, day one, it's like three times higher than our eight times estimate. Like what a problem to have. Yeah. Like it's just insane. But you can't like if you triple like this is a very simplified version of it and i don't even understand how it works but like say you have like a problem with a certain server thing overheating and you add more of them a lot of the time what that does is it just moves the bottleneck somewhere else to another thing that you couldn't have ever predicted and i think that's the thing people miss is like it's so easy to be like well you should have like why did you not just know that if this you added it would go somewhere else but these things work in such weird ways and like they're so complex that you just it's just the way it's just the way it goes you have to fix it like you put out one fire and then the fire just springs up somewhere else that you couldn't have predicted and so you just have to work through those things methodically and slowly because you can't rush it either like we were saying before if you just like oh i think it's this i'll throw a bunch of resource at this and then that's not the problem you just wasted everybody's time and resource so you have to be methodical and the servers have to come down for a while for you to add new stuff so you know, that was really scary because for like the first week of four guys, we had quite a lot of downtime and you just don't know. Like, yeah, now we're two months in and we know people are dedicated to the game, but you just don't know if everybody who downloads four guys on their PlayStation boots it up and sees server maintenance in progress. Like, are they ever going to come back? Did we miss that player? Will they never get to play four guys? They'll never tell their friends about four guys. And so 
there was this real panic of like the success of Fall Guys is slipping away from us. And we basically have no idea right now how to solve this problem long term. And so um, that was scary. That was terrifying. Um, but people stuck around and people have had faith and our server team are like almost like the unsung heroes of the project for solving those problems the way they did. Um, so that's really been like the, the big stress early on was just trying to figure out what was going wrong and why and and how we could how we couldn't have ever predicted it really. It's just just so mad. And then I mean, those problems are fixable. Some of the much harder things are the issues with latency. Like you've all, everyone's seen the memes of the tail grab from 10 feet away or the person who crosses the finish line before you and you get, they get eliminated or whatever. Like, but that is like, that's just really fundamentally hard to solve in like a third person game where you can see everybody else. Like you can't pull the same tricks you can in a shooter because you can, you see things in a different way. So that's, that's been a real challenge and it continues to be something that we're working towards because people are just in different positions on each other's screens. Like it's just how multiplayer games are. And it's an art, it's an absolute art to hide that fact from the players to the point where they can't realize. Um, so we've still got some work to do there, but it's a, it's a real tricky one. Yeah. There's never a time that I feel more useless <laughs> than being across a programmer and especially a network programmer because we're there like with our pencil and paper <laughs> and they're like solving an issue is that there's nothing we can do it's like well yeah. we're just yeah. pretty useless in that moment that's why like multiplayer games always scares me because they're just so out of our control um and you're talking about the lag issue i mean that at least is still a very technical problem just to kind of uh, like kind of make that invisible to the player, but there's a lot of trick on the design side that you can kind of, uh, and even that's more programmery to kind of hide the fact that there's lag, right? There's just a lot of predictability yeah. and putting things in front of people so that by the time we get to the player's computer or online network, it just looks like it's real time. It's it's a whole different element that like, it's never a go-to for small teams to, to try to tackle, uh, which is, I think is a lot of missed opportunity like you guys, right? You know, you guys were a small team with great ideas for multiplayer. And I feel like a lot of designers have great idea for multiplayer, but it's just so much to tackle where people just yeah, waver away and they get disheartened by their like, you know, tertiary passion project <laughs> and they don't, they don't try again, uh, which is a lot of, about, you know, the indie spirit right there about that part of the industry. Uh, uh, another question I would love to kind of ask is that the COVID side of things, right? You, you're talking about, you know, especially being a designer yourself, you guys like to talk, right? It's just what you guys do and you guys need to talk to get brainstorming sessions through. And it's just a whole different element talking to the computer screen all the time and not getting that nuance of uh, delivery, right? Because I, you know, I, I walk by those rooms all the time. You guys are in there hours on end. And, uh, at most, you only want to be on a Zoom call maybe an hour and the rest is through Discord or, or whatever uh, textual <laughs> messages yeah. and you just don't get the same feeling. So how, how did you guys get around that when Fall Guys is so integral around design uh, to, the, to make it work? Yeah, like, I mean, one of the things we've had to do is like set up some like fairly hard and fast rules for the way we work. 
And the first one is basically like no meetings over an hour. Like it's people don't have the attention span. It's impossible remotely. People just start looking at their phones or getting distracted. Like it's just, it's too hard to do. And, you know, another one is like, you shouldn't be having more than like eight people really in a meeting. If you actually need to make decisions that that group of people has to be small enough, uh, which is, has been really important. And then it's the same, like on, on Slack, if you see a conversation, like a discussion last more than, 10 messages you would solve this problem in a few seconds if you just jumped on a one-to-one call and that's one of the hard things is getting used to like one-to-one calling people because it's not like people don't really call each other anymore like you just text or whatever but like you have to like ring people up and ask how they're doing and sit there and talk about stuff so that's been like those are a couple of rules that we've had that i think have really helped us during development um yeah i mean there's the design stuff is hard, but really just getting on, on calls and playtesting stuff religiously has been really, really important. But some of the hardest things, like you said, are you just can't read the room in the same way. Like you can all be on Discord playing something, focusing. And when you're in the room together, you just get the sense of like, oh, everyone's like yawning or stretching and they're just not really into it. And you already know by the time you finish that playtesting session that like something needs to change. But we've had multiple times, like even recently, we came off a level playtest and I was like, Oh, I mean, this is great. Let's ship it. And everyone's like, what? Like, no, dude, it's not good at all. Like <laughs> th- those, those like dissonances are really hard to solve um, internally. It's, you just have to over communicate. I think is the biggest part of it. Make sure that you, you don't assume anything and that you're always talking is, is the most important thing. Yeah. I think one of the misconception that people are having, uh, I don't know what it is, but I think a, a bunch of freelancers and, and, and lone artists, are loving the COVID situation forcing people, right? And I think in the front end of development, you know, maybe the the, the content creation, all that stuff is okay for people to do remote working and and, and, and do that. But the, the pre-production and the uh, near uh, end of production is where I'm seeing a lot of developers having a lot of complaints, like the the, the test kits, the, the shipping, the, yeah. the play testing. That's the, the part where a lot of studios big and small are still trying to figure out because, you know, even within a student, not everyone got a test kit. It's like one per cubicle, you know, if that, uh, or you got to bum off the programmer who's not using it that day or something. Right. It's very varied. And now that everyone is in their own home and there's the security protocol issues along with that, it's been a very difficult situation. We'd love to kind of hear more about that and how you guys got around to it to make it work. That <laughs> Even a bigger problem, you guys are a live game. So uh, it's out there and updates are coming more frequently. Like how, how are you guys resolving this with 60 plus developers? Uh, I'm assuming, are, is everyone same location base or are you guys looking at uh, having remote people as well? That's not around. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, everybody is, everyone is working from their living room at the moment. Uh, at the moment but we are based we have an office in in madrid as well so we have some of the developers are in spain already and we have some people in brighton too so there's we're already a little bit used to working remotely but we are having that exact problem of like sony aren't going to send us 60 dev kit ps4s right like and even if they could they wouldn't because those things you have to be careful with where they are you don't really want them just like lying around people's homes and stuff like that uh especially not ps5 ones like so that, that's been a real challenge. And, and one of the things we've been able to do, which has been really good, is sort of like embrace our enthusiastic community and help them have, have them help us test the game because we 
we can test something ourselves like for hundreds of hours, but we know within the first hour of doing a big play test, whether or not things are going to working because we have thousands of hours worth of, of data to suddenly work from. So that's been a big thing is, is rolling out like community play tests with our discord where we give them early versions of levels or we, we let them play stuff and they're really passionate and really awesome um, around getting involved. Cause that's, we just have to get bodies into the level really. Like that's, that's the hardest thing. They're amazing at getting on board and helping us with that. No, sorry, uh, I can't hear you. Uh, the last question I want to ask you that I'm very curious about, uh, because you're a young developer, and a lot of young developers are very uh, key to like, yeah, work from home, I can do whatever I want, and you know, are, are leaning into that a bit more than I think the rest of the age groups. Uh, but now, you know, that you have that the successful game. You're going through this, knowing how what it takes at the highest level, how to manage people and still deliver a live game. Going forward, right, eventually, hopefully, you know, with the vaccine and everything, we're going to go back to the office. What can we take? How do you see the best case scenario of a hybrid approach of some people remote going back in the office? Like, what what is your best case scenario of, of that? Of what's the best way for developers, not just at your company, but like around the globe where we can learn and, and like take what, what we've learned so far the last year going forward? Yeah, like I, don't, I can't see myself wanting to go back to a five-day work week in the office, if I'm honest. Like I just think that I actually quite like having some time to just focus and work on stuff like I've, I've taken to the working from home stuff quite well. And I like the opportunity to like get your head down and just focus on stuff. I do quite like that. But I think for me, almost like the most important thing is like the work-life balance has shifted. Like I'm not wasting an hour and a half each day commuting five times a week. And that's just so nice to have more of my day back. Um, and it makes me like healthier as an, as a, as an employee of a company to like have that time. And I love the idea that I could now like balance those two things of like, cause it sucks to not see everybody every day. And you really miss that. Um, you really, really miss that collaborative aspect. And so for me, I think, I think probably two, like two days, two days working from like two to three ratio, but I don't quite know which way around I would like it of, of working from home, working in the office. Um, one of the things that we found hardest actually is like, I'm quite, I've worked in Mediatonic for a, a long time, like seven years. And so I have like a really strong relationship with loads of people and I can have a chat to them if I'm feeling shit, you know, and like I've got a great support network there. But what we found is really hard is like new people who join the company. Uh, and it's really, it's, it's not that hard to like create a good working relationship with them. Like kind of what I was saying before, you can jump on calls and you can brainstorm stuff and you can go through things. And there are loads of tools to make that easy. But what you miss are the moments around the coffee, uh, the coffee machine, like just asking people how their day is going, what they've been up to at the weekend. And especially for new people, it's really hard for them to find those connections with the team that aren't professional. And that is just like, Hey, how are you doing? Like, what's up? What are you up to? What games are you playing? There isn't the same, there aren't the same moments in the day for like chit chat and water cooler talk, which are the, which is the glue that like really bonds your team together. Like we can't all go for a drink after work. And that was something that has gotten me through really difficult times on projects. It's like you finish the day, you're fed up, pissed off with the project and you just need to go for a pint and vent about 
whatever it is that's causing you a problem. And you reach the end of the day and it's like, everyone just disappears offline. And it's like, oh man, I have all this like frustration um, and no, no one to vent to. And so one of the things we're working really hard to do as a studio is to try and find out and find more ways to create those moments, to like get people to know each other a bit better, especially new, new, new starters uh, joining the team so that the, the team is not just a well-oiled machine who like makes games, but it's like a healthy place to work where you have build relationships and you have hopefully like friendships with other people that you work in. So when things do go wrong, that's not, it's not just logistical. It's like, I've got someone to go and chat to who can like cheer me up. Um, that's, that's really hard. And I think that's why it helps to have some, some, uh, working from the office days for sure. So it just gives you a chance to build those bonds. Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. The best bits of me being in the office have always been non-work related stuff. It's never me because when we work, is we're, we have our headphones on and we're very uh, seclusive, right? And uh, even with people at arm's reach, those are our best buds, but we never talk to anyone else aside from uh group activities right yeah. and i i look back it's it's always basketball at lunch soccer at lunch that i look forward to um, yeah, yeah. when it comes to venting walk around the office outside for like 20, 20 times to vent and then it's it's never moments about oh man i love it when i sat down at my desk and got work done it's just never that <laughs> so it, it is kind of like counterintuitive if it is about work then just do that at home if it's about connection do it at the office where everyone can yeah, yeah get together and commune it, it, it I, I think you put it exactly how i feel uh development should be going forward and it is going to be very hard to suddenly tell game developers to forget uh all that life that you got back <laughs> just go back to the office for eight hours straight uh, i i i really do feel not a lot of developers will be pushed to do that um yeah, sure. uh there is always like those happy hour zooms, but uh, you know, that to me is kind of hypocritical. It's like, dude, I, I'm tired from zoom meetings and you're telling me to do another yeah. free hour of zoom. It's like, let's rethink yeah. this guys. We, we just did one on four guys. Actually. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's, where yeah. we all played four guys and we like yeah. fired up a custom lobby and it was like the entirety of the studio, basically yeah. all in the same custom lobby, which is like, it's been so much fun. I've had a great time doing it, but yeah. people can't help being like, a bit of Zed fighting on that thing over there. Like, we should probably fix that. Like, why is the yeah. graphics gone all weird on this? It level? becomes worse. Yeah, down. And it's like yeah. now we're just working. Like, <laughs> well, I go get on that. All right, let's get some Jira tasks in here. Uh, <laughs> we had we do have a producer in this call, right? Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just becomes work. But uh, I, I want to thank you, man. We are at the top of the hour. I want to thank you for dropping by and 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 sharing your story and the team story and and continue success, man. Definitely looking forward to it. I play it with my son all the time. Uh, it is a relief, man. It is the perfect game during the pandemic. Uh, you guys just nailed it. It's hilarious. Every time I do it, I get frustrated. <laughs> I throw the control across the room. But I love it. I always come back to it. And I look forward to all the new uh, new courses that you guys got going. But uh, this is my time to shut up. Hand over the mic to you so that you can give a shout out, give attention to to the listeners and viewers out there where to find and what to click through, man. Yeah. I mean, the, the first thing is definitely to, I would encourage everybody to go and check out Fall Guys season three. Like we have ratcheted up the amount of levels that we've got. So we've got seven brand new levels in the game, um, which is like the new, the new record for us. And they're 
definitely the best ones we've ever done. So it's a really exciting time to jump on and get in the festive spirit playing some cool guys. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, yeah, follow me on Twitter at GoSujo is uh, my Twitter handle. Um, I'm always up for just chatting for guys as well. You can find me in the Discord, the Full Guys Discord as well, the official one. I'm always there hanging out, talking to people. So yeah, come say hi. Uh, I love hearing about what people like and don't like about the game. I do, as rough as it can be, I do love talking about Full Guys and all the things we need to work on. So yeah, please stop by and tell me what you think. Yeah, awesome. All right, thank you, man. And uh, see you guys all next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give Game Dev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail feature, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody